It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in, because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. It's New Year's resolution time, and let's face it, climbers all make the same basic resolution, climb more this year. And whether that means training more, better time management, or simply ignoring non-climbing friends and family more resolutely, Outdoor Research wants to help you pull through your promises with the best outdoor apparel that money can buy. Any layer on the list, from base to shell, OR will have the perfect item. Whether you're hanging it out there in the mountains or hanging on the end of the rope staring at your tips and wondering when the burning will stop. Speaking of which, OR is the leader in the techiest, warmest gloves in the world to help make the screaming barfies up to 90% less barfy. So resolve to support the runout in 2020 and check out the gloves and more at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. So what's happening in the climbing world right now, you ask? Well, good news, my friend. Your ear holes have serendipitously landed in just the right sonic podscape to get filled with a fat and tasty rundown of all the latest climbing news, all with a bit of snark thrown in. Because apparently Snark is good SEO for us. This is Andrew Bisharat, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Chris Caloose, whose Snark is as effervescent as a freshly cracked bottle of Topo Chico. And you're listening to The Runout, our podcast about current climbing topics. To be honest, this podcast is really just an excuse to hang out and talk shit, but we try to keep it business as usual in this episode. Hope you enjoy our conversation this week, and if you do, tell a friend... Let them know about the runout, leave a review on iTunes, and please keep all of the great feedback through email coming. One of these days, Chris will learn how to respond to them too, I promise. And without further ado, please enjoy. I bought a 32 gig card, so we have 46 hours we could go. (laughs) Nice. That would be something we could try to do. It'd be like the, you know, <laughs> it's like the nose in the in a day or something like just climb and climb and climb. Day, just like yeah. talk about climbing. Yeah. <laughs> just like do a total marathon. <laughs> Where we just talk about climbing until, you know, until we're just like falling asleep just, and taking amphetamines and stuff to keep it going. It would be like our horseshoe hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we could do a podcast challenge. Like, yeah. who can talk about climbing longer than we? <laughs> Nobody. We got it. Like, set the record. <laughs> Anyhow, it's January. January's here, and um, not much happens in climbing in January. Not really. Um, you know, some winter shit. But what? Uh, since our last conversation, you know, we've we've set our new year's resolutions and uh, most people by now will have, if they're in, in the statistical median, they will have failed to achieve them. So how are we doing? Um, what was mine? Emails? Yeah. You wanted to, like, I, look I at haven't, email. I haven't even looked at them. <laughs> <laughs> so fail. I did a really good push on the Normacast email. Uh, and I think, uh, honestly in my mind, and this is, this is God's truth. <laughs> If there is a God, that tomorrow I'm going in. You're, you're it's on my it. schedule. Okay. Yeah. It's on your to-do list. Yeah, but we also, you and I also haven't had a clinic yet about emailing that right, that you may true. have promised yeah. on the last um, 
the last run out. So, well, well, yeah, we can do that yeah. too. Okay, but how how are you doing? I've been good. I've been um, I've been ingesting climbing media. <laughs> Tell us something that you uh, well, so, read, saw, heard, or were interested in that that we need to know about. I mean. I'm I'm going to uh negate my resolution right now. <laughs> but I was dri- <laughs> I was driving down to <laughs> a mere 20 days yeah. of climbing media and you're you're more cynical well, than you were before. <laughs> so I I I've been checking out other climbing podcasts <laughs> and um one one that I hadn't heard yet and I was driving down to Grand Junction to to climb with our mutual friend Steph Davis mm-hmm. and um I almost drove off off the road listening to this thing. It was just so not for me. Okay, you know that's the bottom line. Yeah, because we don't need to be we don't need to be running the runout does not need to be starting podcast. No, no, views. yeah, yeah, no, we shouldn't do that. But I, I almost drove my truck off the road to just end it all. But that was my first um my first sort of slip, I think, and in, back into cynicism. <laughs> So, but otherwise it's been going well. That's good. It's yeah. like, you know, it's just one day at a time. Yeah. It's just Andrew, one day, it's one at, day a time. at a time, yeah. buddy. Yeah. You know, every, every freaking person who goes to any sort of program knows <laughs> you got to take it one day at a time. You just got to call me. I'll be your, uh, what the sponsor is. That's what they yeah, do. Yeah. In the alcohol Chris, thing. Just call me. Podcast. I'll talk to you. To, I know it's, it's like way a, too positive. <laughs> it's way too positive. It's too positive and inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you climb? Did it? Did it? Did I was. It I, I climbed very poorly, but oh. only because I've been up since three a.m. Right. Um. With uh. You God, know. Dad life, man. Dad life. Yeah. So I tried. I tried to do. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it on here, but I've been training with uh, Chris Hampton at the at the power company, and yeah. I tried to do my assessments because it's like assessment time. Last night, and I I swear to God, I got home and like basically like almost like cried in front of Steph because I like tried to do you know my max hangs and all that shit and I was like worse than I was three months oh, ago oh I thought you were going to say you did so much better than no 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 cry with with pain oh. and anguish not with joy no it was like I mean look I tried to do them at eight o'clock at night I think your body's like shutting down at right. that point it's not a good time to do assessments but it was you know the holidays were rough I didn't get into the gym as much as I wanted to and uh, I just like felt it and yeah, it was just, I, I don't think I've worked as hard as I could have. You know, I definitely have slacked and, and not been totally on it, but I, I would have expected to at least maintained. And the fact that I came in quite a bit under was, uh, I'm going to try it again in a, like a couple days with some rest and do it well, at the I, right time of day. But I'm, I was like pretty bummed. The last time I saw you climb, you were climbing well on the moon board, nonetheless. I mean, you were, Thank you. You, yeah. were bo- you looked like a boulder. And I don't know like what a, happened in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> So that was good. Well, it's like, I mean, it's a lesson. It's like, it's freaking up and down. And yeah. you, it's not a like a total just upward slope towards like, you know, super strength. Right. Especially at our age. Yeah. Three-year-olds are, it's yeah. a different. So it's like, I mean, I had to take curve. a step back and was like, all right, relax. You're not like done. But it wasn't, it was kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, so anyway. Well, that happens. Yeah, it happens. So that's where our, I can our, be your sponsor for exactly for, for <laughs> your nights when you, your hangboarding yeah. doesn't go the way you want. <laughs> I like it was funny because I was trying to do the weighted like maximum weight hang thing, and like I could barely lift the vest over my head. Like that's how bad I felt. 
Like I had like a 50 pounds in my vest and I was like struggling to get the thing over my head. It's like the equivalent of not being able to bench press the bar or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily there was no one there <laughs> watching me. I honestly had like, I started to come up with this idea that I would like hold it up and I would crawl into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad it got you get one of those mannequins that you just put a weight vest on and you like slip into it <laughs> anyhow don't do that so what's going on in climbing in january uh well you know i i check the interwebs and there's some there's some stuff going on so we can talk about that to uh inform people who for some reason might get their news from a podcast <laughs> as opposed to the internet 5,000 other sources. Um, no, it's more that they want to know what we think about it. I think I just hope we make it more entertaining. Right. Than, That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Jawman fell down. Yes. Jawman is, uh, you know, it's sort of a regional story, but Jawman is uh, a, on a tower called Sister Superior in the uh, the same sort of ridge and formation where you find Castleton and the rectory, the, I think a little bit more famous. But uh, it's one of the great five-star classic 510s multi-pitch uh, tower routes in the desert. So just to, just to put it in perspective, in the, in the first uh, pitch fell off. But the with, whole pitch. Well, even more like the entire section of wall right. actually disappeared. And the first pitch was a, a like kind of a scramble and then ended with this 5-8 chimney um, behind this kind of tall spike. And then you would end up on top of it, and that's where the belay was. And um, when I first heard it, I thought maybe that spike fell off. But actually, like the whole massive bottom third of the wall just like calved away do you know if there, has has anyone looked into what caused that was it an earthquake or was it like the 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 talent the the cone of of dirt and talus just fell away or yeah i think i mean if you look at it's it's interesting because it gives you a new perspective of the of the tower and i've climbed the jaman a few times and uh you never really realized until it was gone that that the section that you scramble up and then climb behind is actually like a, it, it, it was clearly like a piece that was not really attached to, to yeah. the wall and all these things they cave off. That's how the, they all, um, the, that's how these sandstone areas, whether it's Indian Creek or anything else, you know, you can look down the talus slope and see where these whole towers have fallen over and then broken into like four pieces and are laying on the ground, like some sort of, you know, like Egyptian ruin or something. So that's how they erode, and um, basically, I think it just was timing. It's just that it was time for that thing to slip away and uh, leave like the smooth, clean face that the, it left behind in the pictures. It wasn't just climbers just pushing with their feet? Yeah, pushing the, just so desperate in behind in the five eight chimney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I think it's just timing. You know, it's yeah. like they're all falling down. It's entropy. Everything's going towards the river. And, uh, you know, luckily when these massive things happen, usually not always, but usually there's nobody around. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of them happen with freeze thaw, which is a big part of erosion. And so, you know, things happen a lot of times in winter or when it's wet. Right. And, uh, you know, luckily climbers don't tend to be around, but I mean, with something like that, it's like, it could have sat there for a thousand years or whatever, or a thousand more. Like you just if you were happy to be on it when when it went 
I mean, that's like some just serious bad luck. Yeah. Well, no one got that lucky or unlucky, as it were. And and it's it was kind of interesting that like a client, like people didn't usually when these things happen, like especially that, like a climber will go up and find it missing. Um, but right. it turns out that people saw it happen or a climber saw it happen and kind of reported it. Well, um, it's like front and center in Castle Valley. Yeah, in Castle yeah. Valley. But still, I mean, I think it's, I don't know if you can see it from the actual where people live because it's oh. sort of behind Periot Mesa. Right, right. Um, but nevertheless, somebody saw that there was like a plume of debris coming up right. and, and reported it. And then a few days later, some guys went up and sort of reestablished a start to get back up to the to to where the the route continues. Yeah. It's almost like they didn't respect the uh the route, the route's death long enough. <laughs> they should have waited a few more weeks. Yeah, too I think. soon. Yeah, it was too, uh, too soon. soon. <laughs> too soon, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to make a a a sort of plea for their for their situation is that actually the the guys that did it, Mark Howe, Jake Warren, um Dave Setoff and and Gare Lousman, who I don't know, but uh, several of those those people in that first ascent party are like old school Moab, you know, definitive hard men, definitive root developers. And so in some ways, I think they probably went up there to sort of be like the guys that that were the ones to kind yeah, of look and see the, if it was possible and, and get it done. So it's basically like tr- pretty true locals right. went up there and reestablished it. So in that way, I think it was a kind of, you know, on their minds to get up there and do it to be the ones who do it. Right. The the unfortunate thing is it was like one of the classic, you know, really well protected moderate moderate yeah. 510 kind of hand crack roots on a tower and now it's 512. Right. So that is a bit of a bummer or maybe maybe there's another start but um looking at the pictures, you know, everything got much more sheer uh when that thing fell off, so uh it seems like yeah we're not going to get away with another 510 route up there. And and that that's so so the route itself sort of exists again, but really it's you know, the route as we knew it is dead and gone. It's um it's just a reminder that we're all dust in the wind. That's all we are. <laughs> what else we got in January? Well, not I mean, it's had, cold as fuck, I know. but people are still climbing. Well, speaking of El Cap, Nale Hukatavale, as I like to call him. <laughs> Although it's Nale Hukatival. It? No, it's Hukatival or Huck-a-tival. something. Yeah. He's been uh, sort of almost secretly sneaking around on the Dawn Wall. Sneaking. Sneaking. <laughs> He's had a, there was like a, a post a little while ago, and then he, he just posted a bunch of stuff that after they came down. But yeah, he, he went after the Dawn Wall in January, as, as is the style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Basically, I think it seems like he ran into the the age old problem of like that all the work does you in before the climbing does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw on Instagram he he was posting up some photos of himself and of course just like housing that that whatever the Dino move that made that route or that uh, that one move that that is is famous for that route. Mm-hmm. Um and. Yeah, it's like crazy. It's like five years ago that those guys did that climb basically this month, basically this week, I think. And um, yeah, Nolly's up there now. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's like, you know, Andra did the second ascent mm-hmm. and uh, 
that's I think like it's funny because there's the first ascent glory. I think actually a second ascent is is got like some pretty good glory with it. Yeah. It's sort of approving the of, style too yeah. that he did it. And the style that, that Andre did it yeah. in was was exceptional. Um so I I actually really admire Nale for third ascending it because it's just not got the weight. Um and, but that to me that just shows that he he wants to do it for the experience. I mean, obviously, it'll it'll you know garner some fame, especially because he's a boulderer. For you don't the most think he part. should do free rider first? He for probably like Astro Man. I don't know. Has he? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea either. But <laughs> you know, it's like the dude's got the skills. Yeah. Um. But again, he's strong as fuck. Yeah. It's yeah. got the skills to climb it, but yeah. it sounds like the the logistics kind of got got in their way. But at the same time, there's sounds like they're stoked to go back and that's when you know the second try is when the logistics get themselves sorted out his his quote from instagram which i'm going to read right now is big wall climbing at this level seems to be 90 percent rigging hauling and jumaring and 10 percent weather and once all the work is done you get rewarded with some climbing yeah that's like not the most enthusiastic comment about uh, the big wall climbing experience. Yeah, but he did say they're going to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going back. Yeah. But, I mean, it's true. I mean, that's like, it's like 10% fun and 90% mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you got to think about like, you know, when you get into these like celebrity climbs, if you mm-hmm. will, you know, and we've talked about this before and, and, and it's just that like, there was so much in, like help that went into the Don Wallace. Right. And I think that probably with, with Adam's ascent as well, you know, he, he, he travels around with a crew with people that, that are, are sort of minions. Right. And I don't know, maybe that happened with this as well, but it appeared to me that this was probably the most stripped down attempt that's been, been he didn't have the, the the Sherpas helping him out. Maybe so. Feeding him avocado. You know, I can be tricked. Sandwiches. I can be tricked by Instagram just as much as the next guy. Yeah, but it the way they talked about it, it felt like it was like you know more in that realm of like a couple dudes going after it. Just a boy in his portal edge yep, and a exactly eight foot sideways dino. <laughs> I mean, that's nothing. <laughs> um, speaking of celebrities, did you see this Honold article in GQ? Yeah, of course. We had we have a lost tape episode about Honold uh, posing naked in ESPN magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't release it because it was just like stupid and not that funny. But um, I actually like this one. This was like I have nothing bad to say about this GQ article, which Honold is appearing in in like you know nine hundred dollar Gucci sweaters mm-hmm. or whatever. But the article itself was actually really well written. Uh, given that it was, I don't think someone who is a climber Mm -hmm. who is just trying to like get a feel for like this sport and observing that it has become more popular and Honold sort of the celebrity, you know, figures who gets to represent us. And, and she put him in this light of being this guy. I, I really truly believe doesn't really give a fuck about his Gucci sweater that he's wearing right now or, or the fame that he's he's um, accomplished, you know. I think he's it's really just about climbing for him. Yeah. So that that was my two cents on that. Um, but yeah, it's just an, another sign of climbing's explosion into 
all corners of society. Didn't like a chalk bag show up on some high fashion runway not too long ago? I mean, I, I know how they, like, the high fashion thing just throws everything at the kitchen sink. And, right. You know, it can get kind of weird and wonderful and, and, and outside of, like, what anybody would ever actually wear. But, yeah, I believe there was some chalk bag action on some runway somewhere. Well, I know that Sam Krieg, who, who does the Krieg chalk bags, he, he told me once that, like, his biggest customer was, like, women in China who use his chalk bags as purses. Oh, Nice. <laughs> like, he, that, like that's like more people are using his chalk bags for that than I mean, if I, I think if we can tap in and soak like the mainstream, uh-huh. I I'm, I mean, if Gucci wants to wants to sponsor the run out, like I'm not going <laughs> to say no. I mean, we'll drop outdoor research in a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who's got more? Who's got deeper pockets? I, mean, uh, I yeah. think Gucci, Gucci does. Gucci, yeah, I'm pretty or... sure. <laughs> I got I mean, how great would that be? Like I mean, yeah, packages showing up from Gucci. I mean, I, I think we might uh, die of ho- hypothermia if we get wet in the outdoors. But <laughs> when was the last time you and I got wet climbing? <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> if it starts to rain, we get in our yeah, cars we and we go. come home. It's yeah. true. Yeah, we just get in our Mercedes Benzes exactly. and just drive home. <laughs> A sad story I I found was uh, Omega Pacific closing shop. So the maker of Link cams. The Link cams. Which, have you used those? Oh, I do. Yeah. I think they're pretty good. I think they're great. I mean, they're like not a full rack piece, but they're, you know, you put like one or two in your harness. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, I I think that uh, I, I always supplement like on big roots with them because they're they're especially i think about like arriving at a belay stance where you have to use gear right um it's pretty common to like place everything and arrive like at a belay stance like in the black canyon or something with like a nut Mm -hmm. and one cam and then whatever's there doesn't you know doesn't really like allow for that so if you arrive at a at a belay with this cam that's as versatile as some of those sizes were that i've I've found them to be really useful yeah in places like that yeah they were kind of like the voltron of of camming devices or something <laughs> who's voltron again you know like voltron like the <laughs> robot the robot that transforms yeah, yeah. <laughs> they kind of like just fit into whatever yeah totally um, but now they're gone yeah um but I will definitely sell anyone my link cams as a as an archival piece on eBay. Really? For like nine hundred dollars. Okay. So I can get that Gucci sweater. Hit them up. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess the the other aspect of hearing this news is that you know this like core company is closing shop. Earlier this year, Mountain Gear, the website, uh-huh. shut down. Um, so yeah, there's changes afoot in the climbing industry of, you know, just leveraging all the, you know, the different um, f- economic forces that are probably out of all the climbers control mm-hmm. and um, trying to make the numbers work, you know, for all the companies, or I guess for all the stories, all the Alex Honnold and GQ, what is a Gucci sweater stories that we see, you know, there's like mom pot pop shops in the climbing world that are also 
feeling the effects or just closing down. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, we want these, uh, mom and pop kind of setups to, to, to flourish, but at the same time, it's like innovation is key and, and tooling things like the link cam and, you know, right. Tooling up for the new thing or tooling up for, um, you know, with black diamond, for example, tooling up for, for the ultralight cams, it's like, it's serious money. Right. And I think that a lot of these small shops just can't innovate as fast as some of the bigger ones cam. And, and that's kind of what, what they get eaten up as, Yeah, you know, cause the link cam has been around for a long time. And it's like, one of the things that everybody desires is the latest and greatest and, and a Omega Pacific just can't keep up because, uh, you know, insurance is a huge part of producing gear like that, but also just tooling up to create the next cam um, is, you know, astronomically expensive. What's your opinion about the climbing industry right now? I mean, OR is coming up next week. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we've seen stories. It's like a weird world where we're, we're being told that there's success. You know, climbing is bigger than ever. We see it in all corners of society now. We're also seeing, you know, climbing companies shutting down for lack of support. Uh, Mountain Gear in Omega Pacific this last week. Um, is that what's your sense? Is that uh, is that just the natural? Is this just like a Darwinian thing that's hap- shaking out in the climbing world right now, or is this? What is is the is it a facade that climbing's actually growing and thriving right now? And most companies are actually struggling. Well, I'll say this: I don't, I don't know the numbers exactly, but when we talk about climbing growing, you know, I think that it's being lumped together with gym climbing and uh, indoor climbing and competition climbing and that sort of thing. And the truth is, is that that doesn't that doesn't sell link camps, right? You know, gym climbing does not sell; it sells shoes and harnesses. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Right. And so there can, I think that there probably can be both this like growth statistic as well as some sort of like drying up in other fields of climbing. Mm -hmm. Right. And even sport climbing, like sport climbing doesn't sell cams, you know, it doesn't sell portal edges. It doesn't sell like some, some of these like niche products that, that companies build and create and put out. And so, um, it's really hard to say where the money's going when you talk about climbing growth per se. And It'll be interesting to see how where money gets directed now that climbing is. Be- I mean, it's undeniably growing and it's undeniably becoming more focused in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And so you'll you know the link cams might be the first fatality, but there what's the next? you know, iconic, but like niche piece of gear that's going to, you know, come under the guillotine. It's, you know, screamers. Who Who's the last person who bought a fucking screamer? You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Yates, you know, it just like, you know, hooks. You know, yeah. But a lot of times, stuff. I mean, like, a lot of times stuff is one of the things that you don't know is going on and maybe Omega missed the boat on this a little bit or not, but you know, it's like, I know that Yates does a lot of military contracts. Right. And so you've got this company that we know of as this climbing company, but behind the scenes, their real bread and butter, their real moneymaker is, is government contracts, yeah. you know? So 
Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's hard to really kind of put it at one thing. Because again, like if a, if someone like Omega Pacific had some sweet deal, you know, the congressman in their corner was like just, you know, pouring buckets of money on them, they could have maybe survived, but maybe they missed that boat somehow. And I don't know that to be sure, but, you know, Camelback, I know, does tons and tons of, of, of military contracts that dwarf, I think, what they do in retail. And, and a lot of climbing companies are like that as well. And if you think about what Yates produces, it definitely fits into that mold of... Um, so basically, you're saying that the climbers should be more supportive of the Pentagon's black budget. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Just pour <laughs> your money. Budget. I mean, because, you know, they only do good things for the country. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand, like, you know, wanting like an Omega Pacific to exist and to keep going. But at the same time, like, nobody can ask you know, individuals to support a company when they have better choices somewhere else. So, I mean, it's true like market forces. You also just buy, you buy like two link camps and you're good. Yeah. I mean, there is a problem there as well. And like I said, innovation was certainly probably a problem. And, you know, it's like a a company like Black Diamond sort of becomes this like overlord because they have the capital to continue to, to tool up to produce new new product, right? And even like a Metolius, they probably have have a lot of a hard time competing with something like that, right? You know, even an iconic, you know, always been there brand like Metolius. Who knows? You know, yeah. who knows what happens with that? Yeah. Well, the only uh, future for them I see is uh, advertising with the runout. Yeah, Metolius, <laughs> bring it. We can bring them back. Power cams. They're good cams. But it's like a prescient conversation because next week we're headed to OR where we'll get to actually do some journalistic uh, probing of the outdoor industry and see whether it's <laughs> whether it's alive or <laughs> or on on its deathbed. Um, journalistic probing, you know what I'm saying? Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> At the right. after party, exactly. <laughs> Um, just a, a few other quick hits that we noticed. Um, Jimmy Webb sent Lucid Dreaming um, V16 slash 15 or something on the up in the buttermilks. That was like a fifth ascent. And um, I don't know if that... Do you know anything about the history of that route? No. No. There's like a, com, like a controversy around whether... Paul Robinson never actually did the first ascent as he claimed. It was like one of those weird things where he went out at six in the morning and sent a V16 at the time. And people were like, huh, it's like a weird time to do that climb. But um, I, I think it's like everyone believes him or whatever. I'm not really sure. Well, if there's been five ascents, is that what you think? Five or, yeah, five ascents now with Jimmy Webbs. It seems like then. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you can do it. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing I've been watching, which I don't know if you care about, but the winter Himalaya thing is like kind of fascinating to me because I've, I've started writing about that a bit for different magazines. And this is kind of like one of those things that's interesting for a mainstream audience, you know, because they've heard of, you know, the 14, 8,000 meter peaks and, the idea of doing them in winter adds this whole other level of heinous suffering. And the the last one that hasn't been done is K2. And, um, and so 
people have just been getting their asses handed to them trying to do that in winter. Yeah, well, and last year wasn't there the multiple rescues where the K2 people were brought over to... I think it was um, two years ago now. Right. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the shit goes down yeah. in the Himalayas in the winter, and... It's fucking heinous, especially in the Karakoram, which is like a way rougher mountain range than the the eight thousand meter mountains in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like K two is a mountain that you can climb pretty easily if you get perfect conditions and you're acclimatized. So all of these like pieces just need to luck happenstance, luckily align mm-hmm. for you to get that chance and that's why it hasn't been done yet um dennis arubko and don bowie who i i don't know who that guy is but i've heard of dennis he's like an you know eight thousand meter legend um they're trying to climb broad peak first and just like get acclimatized on that and then and then just wait and see if if the weather is good they're just going to blitz up k2 and try to do it so we'll so see they're like works. bringing light and fast to the winter game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I In don't know, man. I mean, that's like, that's a, a pretty out there proposition. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, th- I think it's like, it's one of those things that whether you're a boulder or sport climber or whatever, just imagine climbing like one of these giant mountains in the winter right. and it's so heinous and there's nothing there, no infrastructure without oxygen it's it's like super gnarly yeah yeah so so gnarly so i have a lot of respect for people who who do that and it's interesting uh, because i've been following the story to see who gets to do the first k2 winter ascent for the last few years all the teams that like try for it they don't come back the next year which i think is like a telling sign about just how heinous it is yeah it seems awful awful but also, I mean, like, if you're talking about extreme limits of human endurance, you know, it's just short of space. You know, it's like that that's as far as you can kind of go at that and like deep, maybe deep trench diving or whatever in the in the ocean. But but it's if you basically go to space, pushing humans into into just extreme, extreme conditions to see what they can handle. Right. Yeah. For no reason. It's like an absurdist yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, though, is if you go into space, you're probably going to have peanuts in the pantry. Yeah, that totally. You can snack on. Yeah, and tang. Tang. <laughs> That's not frozen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, January is off to a good start. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. something more uh, specific will happen that we could talk about yeah. coming up soon. Yeah. February, I feel like it's just a dead month for climbing. February is, too. Well, I don't know. Like the Dawnwell happened in January, right. but Feb nothing has ever happened in February. Nothing. Except Valentine's Day. Yeah, in ice climbing, which is a dead end sport. It can't go anywhere. It can only be so hard. So if you're an ice climber, good luck. <laughs> we'll see you in February. <laughs> If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast, or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com.